media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. As you're seated, I'm going to ask our, our families to come up, our couples to come up. Tunnels, you're going to be right over here. The Smiths are going to be right over here. And my chair is taller than your chair. And that not, is not a place of authority whatsoever. That, that is simply uh, the five chairs that we have. Okay? <laughs> uh, these two families that joined me this morning, we just left Utah where we stayed at their house. In fact, Vicki, we stayed in your apartment down uh, there. And so thank you. It was gracious uh, of you to do that. And for them, they fed us well. Um, we just got back. And again, in my mind, I've studied... Of course, different theologies of different beliefs. And so I was pretty aware of a lot of the differences between what we call, uh, or what we would call Mormonism. Uh, they would prefer Latter-day Saints, uh, that reference to Christianity. And, you know, again, some things begin to intrigue us because they're just different. They're just really weird. The baptism of the dead, uh, celestial marriages. And so to me, that's kind of low-hanging fruit. It's really, easy to say, man, they're just wacko in their belief for this. And yet what really hit me, I guess, this last week is 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 really a sorrow for the people and the urgency of the call that you've placed there. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Thomas, we've met you. Um, the, all your kids came to preschool here, and each one of them I got to meet personally uh, because I do chapel for our preschool, and so I got to see the effervescent uh, tunnel family and and uh how uh the the boys as they grew and especially Emma Emma was always the you know kind of kind of leading the charge and then got to know both of you and the joy that you bring uh God has uh, now called you you're from Poland um, uh, my mother is from Poland my stepmom is from Poland so we would kind of trade some of the the different inside things there uh, but now God has called y'all to Poland to carry the gospel. And uh, you're going to be working specifically, I guess, at first with MK Publishing. MW. MW, okay. MW Publishing, uh, taking Reformed theology, translating it into uh, Polish yes. for the people there, and then also aligning with uh, church plant. I, I, and you can tell us a little bit more about like the timeline of that. Um, but one of the things right from the beginning as we would get into your part of the story is uh, in a minute, minute and a half, kind of summarize your call. And that's like the impossible thing. But but as God has called you to, to go before churches, you're going to get used to that. <laughs> so the Lord has placed on our hearts to uh, um, help plant churches in the newly formed Presbyterian denomination in, uh, I in Poland. I think that's on. Uh, Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. And, and we'll just need a little bit more volume there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There you go. I guess like, is that better? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, okay. Okay. We got, we got you now. Yeah, we are going to be planning churches and uh, working on church planting and uh, church growth in uh, Poland uh, with the newly formed Presbyterian denomination. We're planning on uh, just getting plugged into the community. Uh, we really feel strongly about fellowship evangelism uh, and, and building the church through the community and then uh, uh, through discipleship of the people that are actively in the church. 
Um, so yeah, we, we got po- called to Poland uh, a year ago during a mission conference that our church was hosting. Um, and uh, Nathan actually got called to missions several years ago. We were watching a documentary about underground church uh, in Iran. And he looked at me, he said, I want to go. I want to go to the mission field. And I said, absolutely no. <laughs> I said, I already packed my life once in a suitcase and moved from Poland to U.S. I'm not doing that again with a family. But the Lord had different plans. So a year later, we're sitting at our church's mission conference. And we hear about the work that's being done in Poland. And not only Poland, but I heard the name Gdańsk, which is a city where my mom grew up. So that kind of became a very emotional moment for me, and we kind of looked at each other, and we knew that that was a moment that God called us to the mission field. Don't you kind of hate it when God goes, okay, look, I'm going to make this so personal. (laughs) There is no way you can get out of this. (laughs) What about you? Just in a a couple, in a minute or so, kind of how uh, God called you, and kind of what is the basis of your call? Because now you're there with the North American Mission Board, Again, there, um, Salt Lake City is considered one of our sin cities. And that is, that, okay, we want to plant churches here. We want to, to develop a, a good work here. So tell us about your call. So it's similar. Um, we have, we're church planters, and we're your missionaries, being North American Mission Board. Um, it's not on. Still not on? No. You got to turn it on. <laughs> I never hold a mic. My hands usually shake really bad, even though I'm not nervous. So, and then it makes me nervous after everybody sees my hands shake. But, um, so we're your missionaries, uh, North American Mission Board, um, and you guys are, are a partner church, so we're like doubly your missionaries. But um, we're doing similar. We're, we're planting a church in Eagle Mountain. We've planted. We've been there um, three years this May, and in, in its current iteration, we had a hard start before that. And we might talk about that later. But. Um, so it, it sounds really similar uh, through fellowship, and we have a we started with a Bible study in our home, um, but we want to see people redeemed, renewed, and restored through the gospel. So when you think of re, uh, redeemed, you think of people getting saved, um, that that payment that God has given us through Jesus on the cross, and then renewed. You we might think of that as sanctification or discipleship, and then um, restored is God restoring everything back to us either in this life or the next, in ways that we never expected. Yeah. And we've seen so much of that already in, in, in the nine years that we've been there, and it's just been a blessing to us. But also, when we were in Florida and received the call, we had visited a Q&A sort of like this yeah. with um, um, previously LDS they were return missionaries, return LDS missionaries that had become believers. And we also felt that the Lord was calling us to Utah. And I said, God, absolutely not. I am not going to Utah. I don't even know anything about Utah. We are moving to North Carolina. That was the plan from the beginning. And God had different set of mountains in mind. Yeah. Go, go ask Jonah. God's pretty consistent in this call. Even, but, but I can imagine, and maybe this will serve as a little bit of encouragement for you, because your kids are what ages? 
They're 10, 7, and 4. 10, 7, and 4. And your kids, when Ours you were up there. Ours were 7 and 9 when we moved out. And so I can imagine that's pretty scary. Is that, yeah, they're sitting right here. And I, I'm sure that you're so glad whenever the preacher points you out. Um, my girls would be shaking in, in, in hostility right now. So, <laughs> but, uh, so it's one of those things where, you know, I can imagine that any movement of kids, you know, this isn't just a mom and dad thing. This isn't just a dad thing. God's calling me for each y'all. Come on. It's a family thing. And I can only imagine that you've already heard well-meaning Christians, well-meaning Christians going, why did you wait till everything settles down? Why do you have an urgency to go to Poland? Have you watched the news at night, what's happening in Ukraine? And, and so how do you respond to that when they, not only are you both going, but you're taking three children? Originally, when God called us to Poland, um, it really, you know, we were always aware of it. Poland had always held a, ple- a, a very special place in my heart because of me marrying a Polish woman. When God called us to Poland, there was this huge sense of urgency, like we needed to get there as soon as possible and be able to just share the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and and throughout all of the conflict in Ukraine and all of that, it's it's, in a strange way, it has calmed me. And knowing that, that the urgency is still there, and that and, and that we need to go even more now, over a million people yeah. there now. Over a million people, yeah. You know, now as immigrants from Ukraine, mm-hmm. temporarily, you know, that weren't there when you got the call. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, we did have those conversations, and we had conversations about, you know, what you're going to go with your kids. Are you not worried about your kid transitioning into a new culture? and a new country, and we are, and we, we would be lying if we said we are not. But, you know, we serve, we serve a good and gracious God, and he will provide. I mean, I can tell you a dozens of stories in the ways that he has already provided and answers those prayers. We had some, time, uh, some tough uh, conversations with our family members who are um, terrified. You know, my dad calls me, he says, I wake up every day and check the news, Checking if Poland hasn't been, you know, attacked or, or, or drawn into this war, uh, but so far the God hasn't stopped those plans, and He's still moving forward. Um, he, we still have the calling on our lives. So um, the, the answer is, you know, we could have done that. The easy thing to do, you know, just stay here and, and, and live our life. But the truth is that we would have not been at peace because this is not where God is calling us. So for Kasha and Nathan, to get a little bit of encouragement, uh, you might as well be on the mission field. I know that, and, and, and I'll let them answer, but I know they're kind of answering for you, so I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here. But uh, your kids are often part of a 1%, maybe a 2% as they go to schools. It's and definitely a, less than 2%. Yeah, and being uh, not only that 2% being non-Mormon or non-LDS, but then to be a Christian in that setting probably is even a lower number. So, you know, in those days that you have these same parental feelings that every other parent has, that you want to be protective of your children, how do you overcome that? You know, what advice maybe that you could give to them about just God's faithfulness and his sovereignty? Because as much as we love our God, he's put this thing inside us to protect our kids. And so, like, even a dad will say, 
really? Are you sure about this? So, so what encouragement would you give them? Because your kids have had to face this. Yeah, and uh, I'd be remiss to, to say, because my older kids, if they watch this, they'll be like, wait, you have more than two kids. Yeah. We left <laughs> yes. We left adult <laughs> children in Florida to move yeah. out to Utah, and that was probably our biggest pushback um, was to leave. They just graduated from high school. But um, we see it all the time. And so our kids' high school is is probably – 60 to 70 percent uh, prominent faith, which is the LDS faith, and then the rest is basically nothing. Um, and uh, so they're always in a class where they're the only Christian, and their friend groups are they're the only Christians. And sometimes we talk about um, when we first moved to Utah, we or I say we, I didn't. Jen homeschooled the kids, and uh, and we were praying about what what should we do next. And when we moved to where we're at now and bought our house, we met a, a couple that had just come to faith and their family of five kids, and they pointed us to this great charter school where God just in his grace gave this school to us because the kids in our neighborhood had already shunned our kids. And um, so this school let them develop uh, friendships that then transferred to the bigger schools when they moved. And so um, we talk all the time that maybe our kids are the ones that are actually going to reap the harvest. He gets a little emotional. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I do better when I'm preaching, but not that much better. <laughs> uh, but that's good because as soon as he stops crying for the people in Utah, that's when we're going to have a problem. Amen. Amen. Uh, but, right. yeah, we've said many times, maybe God brought us out there really because he wanted Connor and Reagan to be there. Um, I don't really know. But they have such close relationships with so many kids that are just lost and they have conversations that we would never be able to have with those kids and they have been able to share their faith many 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 times um, they have conversations with kids that will probably never walk into an evangelical church and so in the beginning, we homeschooled because I was afraid, really, to put them in an environment where they would be the only Christian kid in that space. But if we don't let our kids go into that space, there will be no Christian in that environment. And so they are able to be salt and light in a place where there is no salt and light. I'll just add, we're not against homeschooling. Don't hear us no, say no, that. No, no, no. If that's what God is calling you to do and you feel that's best for your kids, but our kids could handle this and we could see that in them. So it's different for every family and every mission setting, but for ours, we see that that was a benefit for our, our ministry. Yeah. And to be um, something that you guys, to be an encouragement for you, the faith that your kids will probably have going into their adulthood will probably be something so much stronger than they would have had if you stay. We're going through Nehemiah right now, and uh, we've covered the first six chapters. And we see such a definite call of God on Nehemiah's life. Um, and they're building back the walls. We just finished up where the walls were completed. And one of the things that I think is somewhat surprising to us is that we can receive such a definite call from God and yet have such definite opposition. You know, sometimes we think, okay, if God's going to do it, he's just going to kind of pave the way. And not that it's going to be all roses, but that it's not going to find, you know, just really strict opposition. And yet, one of the things that we're finding out from Nehemiah is that the call of God is not absent of really an in-your-face opposition. Uh, want both of y'all to kind of answer. Yours is going to be more of what you would perceive is going to be opposition. You've been on the field for many years now. 
And so just briefly, what, what would you think, what do you anticipate as being, okay, we're so defined in this call, God has graciously placed us upon us, but we know we're going to face this when we get there. Even, even getting ready to go, we faced a lot of opposition, at least we felt. Um, we, um, we wrote down a list of reasons why we couldn't go originally, you know, things. Did I turn it off? Yeah. Go back to green. Just hold it down. Yes. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, right after God called us to the mission field, we we wrote down a, a big list of uh, of reasons why we couldn't go. Things such as uh, you know debt, uh, house, and um, you know how is it. How is the family going to react? Uh, just certain things like that. And God has started just time, just methodically just uh, uh, crossing off each one of those things. Like when the Lord calls you somewhere, he definitely confirms it over and over again, even though due to just harsh uh, opposition at times. Um, another thing that I noticed was uh, right after I told my work that uh, I was about to go to the mission field, I ended up getting a huge job offer. Um, so, you know, <laughs> just you know, it just kind of, kind of, just in your face, temptation is what it, it felt at the time. So, uh, you know, that list that Nathan mentioned, I also knew we were packing up our house. We sold our house, um, which is an awesome story, by the way. Um, but we, I, I'm looking through our kitchen, our junk drawer, and I find that list. And I grab Nathan. I said, "Let's sit down." And we're looking at that list, and one by one. And, you know, those are some big items. When we first got the call to Mission Field, I started experiencing some pretty severe health issues. Um, and that was a big uh, a question, you know, can we go now? Um, thankfully, the Lord, you know, provided it, um, how our family's going to react. That wasn't an easy conversation, and that conversation is still going. But the Lord has graciously answered that prayer, too. So it was really neat for us to sit down. And that almost empty house and look at that list and seeing how the Lord said, you know, I might not answer the prayer in the way you want the prayer answered, but it will get answered. And if it's my calling on your life, you will be in Poland. So, Isn't it kind of incredible that you can experience the joy of sacrifice before you've even had to truly kind of go into deep sacrifice? Just that movement along of just uh, dying to self and say, okay, we're yours, God. How he puts a joy there that dollars and information and structure and all that can't replace. He's just, he's just God. He's just kind of does. Well, what about you? You've been there for many years and so yours, you know, I'm sure just trying to lead your family, but what kind of opposition, what do you say would be the main thing that you kind of see this force against you on a regular basis? Yeah, we've had obviously multiple what we would consider setbacks since we've been there. Um, when we initially planted, I said three years in this iteration this May, we had initially planted in a place um, in like the next town over. It's part of our group where we're, we're like our, our mission area, but it wasn't where God had called us to. And so we never got any traction there. And, and um, a lot of people would have said this was, well, this, it, it failed. But we knew that we were still called to a place and a people, and God hadn't moved us away from that. And so we replanted, and, and thankfully we've seen traction there. Um, and But we always – and money is an issue, but we thought money was going to be the big issue. 
and it never has been. I mean, we, uh, we can tell you later um, this afternoon some of the things that God has provided, but money has not been the main issue. It's the people to help serve that's been the main issue. And um, um, our, our uh, Salt Lake City Send missionary um, read this quote recently at a church in South Carolina. So the quote is from Bruce Kinney the Baptist, from the Baptist Home Mission Monthly. And it says, the bulk of the thousands who have abandoned Mormonism have not gone into our churches, but have settled into hopeless indifference, if not hopeless, or helpless indifference, if not hopeless atheism. It's hard to get good men to come to Utah. After coming, most of them leave at the first disappointment. We need men here with the same settled conviction that takes others into the foreign field a conviction that God has called them to this as a life of work. And that's from March of 1907. Wow. It's kind of amazing. When we went out there this past week, um, again, I kind of had the theological differences, you know, the scholastic part. I was not ready for the relational part. Outside of every school is a seminary, uh, LDS seminary. Uh, since they really are in control of the government, uh, they own both newspapers. The, 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 uh, they own the ABC affiliate, NBC, NBC affiliate. NBC. So, so basically, they're in control of kind of Salt Lake City. And again, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to use bad people. I'm just going. They're able to publish pretty much their theology and put it out there. And what really got me is when you go in front of the schools, there's actually a seminary that the LDS Church has built right in front of the schools. And it's right in front of every school. And the kids can take an elective. And they go, they just walk right over there and take that class. And, you know, they're preparing, uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with LDS structure, um, when the kids get uh, in their older teens, they go for two years and to uh, serve as missionaries. And they may have been at your doorsteps before. And what we found when we were out there is just that some of the sweetest and just the most devout of hearts. And yet... Um, you know, sincerity in the belief does not save. Only Christ and the truth saves. The gospel saves. And so it created this burden on my heart because I'm going, okay, my goodness, not only is there, in, in their community, how many on, houses on your street? There's like 26 just on that one okay. street. Imagine a community of several hundred uh, houses, okay? Mm-hmm. On their one street, 26 houses, mm-hmm. And on Sunday morning, because in, in the LDS church, you go to a ward, they tell you what time you're going to go, what you're assigned, and you, where you go to church. You can't go, well, we're mad at the preacher, so we're going to go over here to this other church. They tell you where to go. So imagine this. This is what happens this morning in their community. On that one street, 26 houses, there's three houses of uh, people that are not LDS, Smiths being one of those. The other 23 families go to church, whether they are walking this morning if it's pretty weather or they're going. Can you imagine the community standard that's kind of built up in your own mind and your heart when 23 out of the 26 go off to church and they're all having community together? How much we try to make of community? This, Hey, this is who we do life with. And they're doing that week after week. And I'm going, just how overpowering that must be. Because God built us for community. And only the word of God tells us, okay, is this the right community or not? Again, this is not trying to be critical. It's just recognizing 
how strong and prevalent that is. And I was not prepared for that. Nothing could have prepared me. No article, unless you, unless I was able to see that, this burden that came for these people and for those kids. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I can imagine we could find similar things. I don't know what the prevalent thought, uh, is it Orthodox? Uh, what, what was, it's Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic yeah. is, is the, the main, um, different, uh, other denomination that's going to be out there. And we just have the, the hope of the gospel, guys. This is the only hope that saves. Mm-hmm. And so while people are very much, God has given you, you know, you, you can kind of choose what you're going to put your faith and your trust in. But it's amazing to me when there's a system, there's a kind of a, a whole community of belief that's going in one direction, how hard that would be to stand alone. If you had to come down and say, okay, this is the one thing. You can pray for about 20,000 things. But if you only pray for one thing, how do we pray for the tunnels as you prepare, as you answer this call? And I know that's a very difficult question, and it wasn't on my list, so I apologize. (laughs) For us to be content where we are. Uh, would be the biggest thing. Um, it's really easy when I got the, when we, when God called us into the mission field, our minds were so attuned into what was going on in Poland that we forgot that God had us here right now. We started uh, really taking for granted the relationships that we had here stateside and really thinking too much into Poland. So praying for contentment and joy where God has us right now would be the biggest thing. That's a great, great prayer. Well, what about you? 20,000 different needs. 20,000 different prayers. But if you just had to kind of say, okay, if you only remember to pray for us for this one thing, pray for this. Uh, pray for people to come to work, to, to serve. Um, we have, uh, we're one of the youngest towns in the nation. Um, our median age is 19 and average suburb is 34. It's because like we have five kids now and they think that's just a starter family. So, um, we need people to come and serve when those those families come in with the kids and we have you know we'll be meeting here in um, an hour and uh, 20 minutes in utah and um we're short people to serve now that can be people moving from texas and florida and california which we've seen some of that um or it could be new believers being discipled up into into leadership mm-hmm. um it can be people sitting in these pews like like we've been called um so however that is, and whenever I think I know how that is, it's never that way. So so, so be praying that we recognize that and for, for um, people to serve. When I was growing up and going to church from time to time, they'd have missionaries come and tell us the story. As a kid, that was always always fascinating to me. I never felt called to foreign missions or something like that, but it was fascinating to me. Um, one of the things that we've been trying to stress in Nehemiah, guys, is that God has a personal call. If you are a believer, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, he has called your life. And the very general, remember, we were talking about the macro and the micro, and the macro it is, go and make disciples. And we have that opportunity to do that now. But in the, the micro, sometimes it truly is this job or it's this neighborhood or it's whatever it might be that God has placed upon your heart. What encouragement would you give them uh, again, not in a lecturing way, but just an encouraging way for them to be faithful. Because I can't imagine that as we gather here this morning, even in a small church, 
that God isn't calling some of you into something that you had some of the same fears. And maybe some of it was even, well, what about the family? And what about, you know, I have to take care of my, my wife and my kids and all these different things. You know, when God calls, what encouragement can you give them? Not in form of lecture, because that's not your desire or your desire to say, oh, you need to do that. But just as an encouragement to them for us to progress in God's call for our life. What would y'all say? I would say, you know, God uses ordinary people. You know, even all of us sitting up here, we're not super Christians. We're just sinners saved by grace is what we are. Um, just know that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Yeah, that's great. Great yeah. wisdom. And I'll say that you're called where you're at right now, no matter what. And maybe God is using where you're at right now to call you somewhere else in the, in the you know, three months, three years down the road. Um, so, um, you know, we're about to go through um, experiencing God and join God where he's working. So wherever he's working in your life right now, whether that's like I'm nervous, I can never work with the youth before or kids or um, there's a guy at work that I've, I should be talking to. And I, I know just heard Jeff. Amen. That I know. <laughs> I know. Heard that. Um, <laughs> it, it, of course, we want you to come to Utah, <laughs> but <laughs> but wherever God, wherever you're at, God has put you there. I mean, just being in Georgia, wherever you were born, we talk about this all the time. You're born to your family. You didn't have any choice in that. God, God decided that. So, so there, there might be something that is nerve, nerve wracking for you or, or you're scared to do right now here at this church or in your office or at your school. And I think those steps, the more you do that, the more God will clarify your call. And I, and, um, and sometimes it will look silly to everyone else, but if it's, if the Holy Spirit is moving in you and it's it's biblical, then even if it looks silly to anyone else, you should be doing it and don't fight that. Great wisdom. Because I think that's one of the things that we kind of confuse sometimes is that when we see people who have made sacrifice and they've answered a call, sometimes it, it, instead of conviction, we actually feel some guilt there. And I don't think that God is the one that, you know, he, he saved us from our guilt, but he can bring conviction and when we kind of, you know, kind of force ourselves against that, there is going to be a stirring in the heart. And, and God is one of those things that you've heard it me preach it many times before, that God will speak and, and we should listen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God says, okay, you didn't hear me, so I'm going to tap you on the shoulder. And he speaks a little bit louder and directly. Mm-hmm. And there's other times he grabs us by the shoulders and he turns us around. Would you agree that sometimes God is that persistent in his love and his care for us? And then he just turns us around and he says, do you not hear this? And it's not so he wants to punish us and that we have to, you know, do all these things to, to get approval of God. No, only Christ gives us approval before a holy God. Mm-hmm. He wants joy in our lives. I mean, I think the way I love both of your answers so much is that joy can come even before there's fruit. You hear some of the first missionaries and uh, I was telling this story today, and I'm pretty sure it's William Carey is the, is the one. And it was like 12 years before the first convert. I'm going, I would have lasted 12 weeks. I would have been right in there for 12 weeks. And all of a sudden, instead of feeling successful, feeling kind of like God was really moving, can you imagine going 12 years yes. and not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that's why I want to kind of conclude today only because of time. Um, because we could go on for a long time, but um, one of the things that I think I've been so impressed with 
with the Smiths and other missionaries that I've seen. And I say this as encouragement to you as you head off. Is that God gives this long-term approach. And it's not a three-month and it's not okay. By, by six months you should be here. By 12 months you, did, you should be here. They're ministering. The other night we were at their life group. And God has called some older ones, but also some really young couples like five young couples, some of them out of the LDS church, some of those from an evangelical background. And it was really cool to see, number one, what we really believe in, that we should have a church of all ages and that there should be a, a you know, life together with these all ages. But, but I was really amazed that they took the approach. We would love to see a decision or a, a change in life next week or next month or next year. But they're establishing relationships for six or seven years down the road. Going, okay, we're just going to love these. There was a young couple there at Life Group that night, a very young couple. And they're inviting LDS missionaries over every Thursday night for supper. And yes, they'll have discussions, but they go, this may take six, seven years. But that's okay. We're just going to love them, love them, preach truth. Love them, love them, preach truth, share truth. Love them, love them. And what an amazing thing that is. And so I can only imagine that that will be one of those things. But, but God, you called us. Where, where's all the results? And we'll never be able to see some of those results. But just that you love these people, that love that God has placed on your heart. So I'm encouraged. We, we want to pray for y'all today. We want to pray for the work that God's doing there in Eagle Mountain. You'll hear more about it if you want to come tonight at 5 o'clock. Like I said, even if you're, you don't have kids and students that are going on the, the trip or you have no, you know, you're not able to go on the trip with us this summer, come tonight and you'll find out more about uh, what, what we will actually be doing as a church out there as we're invited out there that last week of June. But would you just uh, join with me in prayer as we pray for these couples today and the work that God has called them to? Father, I know that we... Uh, Literally, Father, we could go on for hours and hours. There's so many things that you're doing. There's so many incredible missionary stories that even the tunnels, they're not even in the field yet, and yet you sell their house in an incredible amount of time. You do this. You you begin to open doors, Father, so they can take each step of faith. But, Father, we know uh, in one way what a scary place Poland is right now. And another way, Father, when we look with spiritual eyes, You've just moved over a million people from their homes, from everything that is familiar to them. You brought them to a place of unrest, Father, a place of of question marks. And yes, Father, we can put clothes in their back, we can put foods in their belly, and that's important, Father. But you've given us the gospel. Out of all the questions, for all those Ukrainian dads are going, what do I do with, with my wife and my children now, Father? You've given us the gospel to be able to share with them. So, Father, we lift up Kasha, Nathan. Father, we pray that you will continue just to open those doors. That, Father, that you will place upon their heart this burden. Father, this it's not a pity, Father. It's, it's a sorrow. Because we feel like we're, we're so rich in the gospel here. So Father, just forward their steps. Father, all the governmental things that will have to happen, all the uh, organizational things that will happen, Father, just open doors. 
but most of all, Father, open hearts and lives so that there can be great revival. In a time when the world said, this is a place where the world was falling apart, Father, that you would make it a a time when their lives were coming together. And Father, I pray that for Salt Lake City. I pray that for Eagle Mountain. Father, I pray that for the Smiths and their ministry there. Father, out of all the obstacles and all the things that we could say, well, you're so weird because you believe this or that, and, and this is contrary to faith. And, and Father, we are to point out when truth varies from biblical truth, but Father, thank you that you've placed in their hearts a sorrow, a hope, and Father, not just the next month, but Father, you know that many of these relationships may not come into full fruition, Father, the gospel for years down the road. And yet you've given them that patience just to love on these people. Thank you that you've given us as a church an opportunity to go out this summer and be part of that love. Most of all, Father, today as we pray for Poland, as we pray for Utah, Father, we do pray that you would help us to be on mission right here in the schools. You have put many of our people in such strategic places in the school system, in the, in the business system, in the government system, Father, to be lights of hope. For in many ways, Father, maybe some of these families in our community are not going to find the displacement of a Ukrainian family. But Father, if they're not grounded in, in the gospel and, and in the hope of Christ, Father, they're more needy than anybody who has just been run away from their home. So, Father, thank you and call us. Our students, Father, call them. Father, to be lights, to be the voices of hope, to share the gospel. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we give you all the glory as we pray all these things in the hope that is Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.